Hello and welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joy Prouty. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have a freaking fantastic episode in store for you uh, this evening. But before we get to all that, Jonathan, I'm going to kick it to you for some introductions. Yeah, so we have a special guest tonight. Um, he is a longtime family friend, a uh, someone who I've I think I've known uh, throughout my life because I've I've visited England a few times, and uh, he's now living in Los Angeles, uh, being a film critic. This is our special guest, James White tonight. Hi, James. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome folks. to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you um, for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's. We were just saying off air. It's been a long time coming. My my dad has uh, kind of championed you to be on the show uh, because of what you do uh, for work and uh, your love for movies. And I think it's it's like I'm so glad it's like finally here because I feel like we've been trying to put this together for a while. So um, really excited to have you on. And we have uh, our list tonight are going to be kind of uh, we're going to kind of be shooting it to James to do our top fives list tonight. But it'll be cool to get to know, you know, what you do and um, how you feel about uh, films and everything. So I guess just like a little introduction, um, just tell uh, everyone watching uh, what you do and I guess how we also know each other in a way. So, well, uh, well, let's start with that. Then I have known Sean at least since he was born pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think I've known him since he was born. I, I wasn't there for the birth. I can't specify that. But <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I've known I've known Sean's family for all of my life because his his grandmother and my mother are best friends or pretty much best friends in the world. They live opposite each other, like yeah. some kind of sitcom. Neighbors too. Back in Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, so I've known Sean's family all of my life. Uh, I consider Sean's family to be my family because the families are pretty much that close in terms of like just in terms of knowing each other, having grown up together. So yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. As as for the job, yeah, I I did in fact pay uh, Sean's dad Michael a big amount of money to try and get him to pin me on here. So we'll <laughs> hopefully it works out and doesn't ruin it for everyone. Uh, yeah, in terms of my job. I have been working as an, I like to call it entertainment journalist, but that's a really fancy word for just sitting behind the keyboard and bashing out a load of words about movies, TV shows, whatever crosses my brain. Uh, I've been working for various different magazines for about 23 years now, which does Ooh, make okay. me sound ancient. I realize that I'll be crumbling <laughs> no. into dust at the end. Uh, yeah, I work for various publications. I'm a freelancer. I work for various publications. Mostly I work for Empire Magazine, which is one of the big popular movie magazines from the UK. It's been around for three decades now, three plus decades. Uh, write a lot of stuff for their website, write a lot of reviews, write a lot of features and bits and pieces. And I do reviews and interviews and all sorts of stuff for a variety of magazines and publications. And occasionally I do stuff for the movie studios as well, interviewing people and, you know, sort of getting stuff, getting stuff on, on for them and interviewing people for them. Yeah, that's basically what I do. That sounds like such awesome. a cool job. <laughs> how, how do you kind of get your foot in the door and something like that? Because I mean... Obviously, 23 years ago, it was a different environment where today everyone is behind a keyboard bitching about movies. Um, how do you turn that into a career? Well, I was a bit of luck, mostly, I would say. I was, uh, I studied communications at university, didn't do all that well, did okay, didn't do all that well. Wrote to a load of local newspapers to try and get 
in my foot in the door there and that basically re resulted in I think it was 150 letters I sent and that resulted in 148 no's one maybe and one or at least more than one actually saying like hey you should do this vocational qualification this journalistic vocational qualification so took a year out worked in an office saved up money went to Liverpool in England and studied journalism for a year as uh, I just started learning everything to do with journalism, everything to do with like crime reporting, shorthand, which I kids today probably don't even know what that is, but it's just basically the way of making like, like reporting, writing stuff really quickly if you're like, you don't have a recorder, that kind of stuff. Was supposed to do work experience at this big fancy newspaper in England and they called me about two weeks beforehand and said, oh, we can't take anyone at this moment. We're doing some transition or something's happening. Uh, so I basically looked at the magazines that were dotted around the floor of my university dorm and and uh, and there was one called Total Film and I rang them up and I said, oh, do you do work experience? And they're like, yes, we do. Can you come in? And I, so I came in for a week. Uh, they seemed to like the fact that I kind of knew stuff about movies, knew how to write and liked the magazine. And so then they said at the end of the week, oh, we have a job opening up. It's the like the lowest of the low kind of job in a magazine, which is a junior sub-editor, basically just fact-checking and rewriting little bits and finding stuff out. Apply for that job, apply for the job, got it, and the rest is history. history I basically huh? just moved <laughs> up from there. And Then in like 2005, I decided what I really want to do is just write all the time. I don't really want to be an editor. I don't really want to have the responsibility. I just want to be a writer because that's what I'm good at so then i moved to i moved to los angeles and and been writing and doing stuff here ever since that's, that's awesome so cool that's a really cool story <laughs> yeah so you know luck and some studying maybe yeah, yeah you, you put in you put in some you put in the work yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like i paid my dues and all that but yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah that's cool that's really cool um, I was going to say, James, what's the kind of most recent thing you have uh, written for or uh, have been involved in, I guess? What is the most recent that you can That you could uh, say to us. I don't know if you have, like, uh, non-disclosure <laughs> kind of. No, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. As far as I'm aware, there's nothing under NDA right now. I don't think <laughs> so. There's just uh, the last thing, the last couple of bits I did. Well, the last things i've done recently there's a magazine here called backstory which okay. is talks to a lot of like craft people that talks to writers and directors and producers editors people who turn found footage into film festivals and people who do poetry based on star wars we talk to all sorts of people oh. um and they we just published our oscars issue and i did uh, a load of stuff for that i did uh, Greg Fraser, the uh, cinematographer of Dune. I did uh, Joe Walker, the editor of Dune, mostly Dune people, actually. It was a lot of talking to Dune people like that. And then I've also done stuff recently. What did I do? Oh, I, my most recent review was a movie that I don't know if we're going to be talking about it later, but uh, there's a the movie out called Everyth Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is absolutely brilliant. That was Someone, the last movie review I read. Yeah, one of my coworkers saw it, and they yeah he said it was it was a really very interesting movie, especially you know it's about like a like multiversal, which is kind of funny because a lot of these you know like Marvel mm. and DC is doing all this multiversal stuff, but. I, it looked yeah. really, really interesting, like visually, and and I, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what the story would be like with something like that. So, it's uh, it's outstanding. It's it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long, long time, and it's it's crazy. It's brilliant. It's heartfelt. It handles intergenerational trauma. It handles all sorts. It's so it's so 
good. It deserves to be awarded everything come awards time. I don't know if it will. We'll see. It might be too crazy for awards voters, but we'll see. And yeah, and, and of course it stars Michelle Yeoh, who is awesome and should be in everything, should have had a career where she just gets to do whatever the hell she wants to do. Yeah, <laughs> but she she just proves in this that she's absolutely brilliant, and she's and 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 Kihei Kwan, who was short round in Indiana Jones and yeah. has barely acted in the last like twenty years or so, and is outstanding. He is just he is so good. He's I mean he worked as an action choreographer and a first assistant director, and worked with Wong Kar Wai and people like that. And he just he's just amazing in this. Not just from an action standpoint, from a dramatic standpoint. Guy deserves to be working as much as he wants as well. Wow. Okay. Cool. So cool. Now, See, really why didn't they bring movie. Short Round back? Yeah. <laughs> like, Who knew? Who knew? They, they brought in Shia, but they left Short Round out in the rain. That's terrible. But um, <laughs> crying. <laughs> how? So we cover a lot on this show, like you know, um, lots of superhero stuff. You know, kind of the big pop culture stuff. How has that kind of? Uh, shifted in the time that you've been covering movies i mean i can trace it from the time I, we were in high school to now it, it seems like a completely different landscape but i mean in 23 years you've seen you've seen it go from probably nothing or you know death what batman and robin was 97 you know so to yeah. reborn to death again to re like what how do you wrap your mind around all that it's it's tough. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it evolve from, I mean, when I started, the bigger stuff was X-Men, you know, the Fox X-Men movies were kind of around when I was starting and everything like that. And that was considered, they, the Raimi Spider-Man stuff, that was considered mostly the the gold standard as it were then. But I mean, they, they are a lot to do with it. They, Blade, uh, the Raimi stuff, some of the, some of the other sort of bits and pieces Fox was trying to do have started to really do it. But I mean, with the birth of the MCU and Iron Man and everything like that, ever since that, that was the spark that really led to where we are today. And it's been, it's been a crazy explosion because it's overtaken everything. It's become everything. Brands, the big, the big evolution I saw uh, that I've seen so far is that the sort of evolution from the movie star selling the movie to the brand selling the movie. It, it, mm -hmm. You can have people who people love and who names you recognize, but you know Chris Evans is Captain America. You know Brie Larson, who's won an Oscar, is Captain Marvel. You know them as superhero characters, and they've taken everything. And it's been for both good and ill. I mean, I love to see the fact that Marvel is now huge, and are deservedly so, and have made some amazing movies, and have done some very interesting things. They're not just... People complain that it's like, oh, it's just another superhero movie. But genuinely, especially in the case of Marvel, they've tended to do different genres within the superhero sort of medium, as it were. And that's been great. But then at the same time, it feels like franchises have swallowed an awful lot of the airspace from, you know, movies. Mm. So a lot of movies that might be maybe more interesting or give other people a chance to make movies have kind of vanished off to streaming or they found other outlets or they've gone completely. And that's been kind of sad because you feel like you're not seeing quite as many movies given the space to breathe that they might have otherwise. But you know what? I love superhero movies, so I'm never going to be sat here being like, Marvel and DC are ruining cinema. <laughs> it's, just not, it's just not true. It's just not, it's not right. I mean, I, I, I completely get what Martin Scorsese says, says about cinema, and he is a master director whose opinion should be listened to. But at the same time, I'm sorry, Marvel and DC, Marvel in particular, DC as well, when they, when they really are on their game and they give interesting directors interesting things to do, are great 
and and they really produce fun, interesting movies that I, I'm looking. For, I'm even looking forward to like Doctor Strange. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just it, everything. It's it's been really fun, and and I've done my best to embrace it. You know, I wasn't always the world's biggest comic book fan when I was a kid. I read a few comics, but I've had to have like a real sort of deep dive into all this stuff to be ready for every movie that keeps coming out so and at the same time there are movies that you can find that do different things like everything everywhere like all sorts of different movies you know it, you can find something right now you just have to look a little harder these days yeah that's that's a big thing too i i just watched uh <laughs> i know it's like outside it's not as crazy as these movies but um i just watched the jackass forever movie uh, which was quite hilarious, um, but I had to go to Paramount Plus, and that's the thing I was, you know, I've been seeing is this shift with all these, you know, how we how we consume media now. Uh, you know, I, I know there's still the the, you know, the theaters that we can go to to see movies, but now it's just there's so much out there with these streaming services, and of course now we're seeing the, uh, these different studios and companies um, buckling down and creating their own services and you know all these kind of things so it i guess also it's just how we consume it now is is so different i think over the last you know 20 odd years um but you know that's that's hasn't changed how people enjoy films and like looking for you know uh those kind of unique films out there so i always think that's really cool <laughs> yeah. it's it's nuts yeah i i remember the days hell i remember the days when i was a kid i remember in England, we had to wait sometimes two years for a movie to come over from America on video and stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, if you try to explain that to someone today who's literally grown up with all the streaming services, they would look at you like, well, like you stepped out of some kind of time machine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it doesn't seem possible the way we used to consume movies to the way, you know, people do it today. And you just have to adapt to it and, and embrace it. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. It is. I'm, and you're covering, so you, you, do reviews, but you you were saying studios will also send you kind of on assignment and stuff like that. So you're covering behind the scenes stuff as well. Like, and that yeah. I think is also another thing that has changed kind of dramatically in terms of not being limited to the pages of um, total film or, or you know, um, something like that where there's, or Empire where, uh, you know, tw 10, 15 years ago, people didn't really know all the behind the scenes stuff that went on and now, that's kind of all you hear about. So you know the movie, even if you haven't even seen the trailer yet, you know what's coming. Um, has that kind of impacted the way you write or the way you approach and trying to think about, maybe I shouldn't give this away or maybe I should prepare audiences for that when, when they read this or anything like that? Yeah, that's always been a consideration. I mean, obviously the timeline with, with magazines was always you know we publish you know a month each month and everything like that and you have to prepare things several months in advance usually to get everything all together for one particular issue you have to know that you're going on x set and talking to x person and doing this and that we've always i mean at least for me and for the people i work with we've always had sort of a drive to try not to give away things because we don't want to ruin the fun for people but there are things and and I've seen it in the rise, even as I started, the rise of Ain't It Cool News and, and sites like that, which really began that kind of behind the scenes, oh, we learn from a source that such and such is happening in this movie or such and such has quit this movie. And that's something you've, as a, as a working journalist, you've kind of either had to embrace or try to completely ignore. So we will do we will report on things that you we hear that things that come in but 
we will try for the most part and keep things under wraps if we can because if it's out there everywhere you know everyone's going to see it especially with the rise of twitter the, the rise of everything online you know everyone's going to have heard such and such just happened like a new story just broke today like justin lynn has left the fast and furious franchise he's left fast 10 after a week of shooting which is Whoa. a weird story yeah but, yeah so that kind of stuff happens and you report it because you know it will be everywhere and unfortunately if people are going to be spoiled by some stuff then they are going to be spoiled but if you're on the internet you're going to be spoiled the other side to that of course is when i'm working i will learn things about movies that are coming up that maybe i didn't want to know i didn't want to know there's going to be a surprise cameo from x in a new movie that's coming out you know a year in advance i didn't want to know certain things and you learn it and you learn not to pass it on to other people because it's part of the job for me to learn these things and and to feel a bit disappointed that i knew such and such was going to show up you know knowing the whole knowing about like spider-man the spider-man showing up in no way home everything like that i mean that was pretty much an open secret but you know we found that stuff out fairly early on and don't really want to know it but eh, it's part of the job i i i have to accept that it's it's a bit of my job and i love my job so it comes with it that's really cool, cool. that's really cool um yeah, Shawnee, I know you, I, I, did I cut you off? I no, 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 I, I'm just trying to, no. the video's a little choppy on the stream, so don't mind me if I'm, if I'm kind of over here. Okay. <laughs> we don't have uh, Oscar winning uh, cinematographers on this podcast, unfortunately. They're just webcams for the moment, but we're working on it. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I hope, I hope this stuff isn't like boring for you to kind of talk about, like, cause I know this is like the last thing I would want is be like, oh, let me talk about my job for, for another hour or two. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, <laughs> but, it's okay by me. I mean, I, honestly, I spend my days asking other people questions. So this is kind of like a nice refreshing, you know, bit having it turn back on me. And so I realize what those poor actors have to put up with when I'm sat there asking them for the 17th time. So what attracted you to this project? <laughs> and that sort of thing you know it's just, you just feel the life drain from their eyes you're like look the studio asked me to ask this it's not my fault i'm, I'm not doing it I, I wouldn't ask you that i'd ask you a better question but sorry so yeah what would you say is like the percentage ratio or what have you between actors that kind of you can tell they have the same rehearsed response for every question that they get asked during the press junket and then the other ones that are going to be brutally honest and kind of give you a good time um I can't imagine it's 50-50 or... No, good question. Good question. I've never even really thought about what that... I, I would say probably 80-20 in terms of 80 is the, the group that have been basically coached and media trained until they're begging for death. And they're basically trotting out the talking points that you know the studio has basically handed down to them and said like you will talk about this about the movie talk about the theme talk about how it encourages inclusivity and blah 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 and then you've maybe got the 20 percent of people who either because they just have the natural charisma to go off and riff and still get across some of the points they need to but make it fun or because they just do not give an f word i don't know if you can swear on this but f word oh. Absolutely. <laughs> go for it. They do not give a monkey. So there we go. And um, they, they just don't care. And they will tell you whatever they're going to say anyway, because they they don't believe in they don't believe in press sound bites or anything like that. It's changed over the years. You know, sometimes you used to get longer print pieces where you'd just be able to sit down and have a proper conversation. A lot of my stuff these days is those between five to fifteen minute sort of like video interviews, and especially these days, pandemic wise 
it's a big thing on Zoom. You know, I haven't I haven't done an in-person interview for two and a half years now. Wow. Everything has been on Zoom, and that has been a big change because obviously they can edit everything and they can change anything they want to, and it's kind of kind of crazy. So yeah, That's I miss. Wild. I honestly miss it. I honestly miss it. I can't wait to get back and do my first like in-person interview. That said, it is kind of nice not to have to leave my house and fight LA traffic to go and talk to someone for five minutes about a movie I didn't like. So you know. That's so cool. Shawnee, I think your mic is uh Is it going nuts right now? Oh no. It's spazzing out a bit. <laughs> oh, we always have an issue. Um, you know, it's we've been awful. doing this for <laughs> six or seven years, but we like to keep it very amateur hour over here. Um and keep it's ourselves on our toes. Traditions yeah. are important, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh you good, bud? Try it here. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can try a different microphone and see if that does anything. Okay. Yeah, James, I'll keep talking. It'll be great. Um. <laughs> it's, it's nothing that the, the guy who's the professional music producer is having the sound issues right now. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's, uh, it's kind it's of a consistent my, theme on this show. It's my 2000, 2012 MacBook Pro, so it's uh, <laughs> I'm due for an upgrade eventually here. Um, we'll get there. I'll try to microphone here. Yeah, go for it. Is this um, better? No. <laughs> Probably not, huh? Better? No? I mean, it's not buzzing. It sounds like you're in an echo chamber, but, you know, it's not bad. It'll work for now. <laughs> All right, very good. Okay. <laughs> good. Video is, like, completely frozen, though. Oh, man. Oh, it's no. okay. If anyone's watching, we, we apologize. <laughs> we apologize for the uh, the issues right now. Just, oh I just man. That, I just realized I think it's just old computer and it's just pushing on some old software or not up to date software. So we apologize for that. And hopefully if I could save up two grand I can get a new computer. So, um, Let me go. Uh, yeah, it's still going. I think if anything if we lose the video, it's all good. We'll have the audio to post on Friday. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're. It's it's okay, man. Just yeah, we're we're all good. We're gonna. It's like you know, being on stage and the the you hit the wrong chord, you just keep going. It's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> James, would you say that you were like a franchise kid growing up? You said you weren't too into comics, but like, was it action? Was it comedy? Like what? drew you to the movies originally um, well originally it was it was probably just it was probably just being taken as a kid and really developing a love for it i mean i started with i think aristocats i think was my first movie and then big stuff like et um, i'm not quite old enough to have seen star wars in the in the theater but i saw like empire and return of the jedi and stuff like that kind of blew my mind and then got me into it but the one movie if i had to pick like one wellspring movie that really got me into movies and creativity all at once it would be ghostbusters ghostbusters it's still my favorite movie it will always be my favorite movie I loved it dearly. I watch it every single year. I watch it on Halloween pretty much every year. Uh, I love that movie. 
I love the humor of it. I love the effects, even though compared comparatively to today's effects, they're no they're nowhere near as good. But I still love them. They still look great. And I something in it, the dynamic in it, the humor, the horror, the action, the mix of everything just sparked my imagination. I started writing Ghostbusters stories and like drawings and doing drawings and everything like that, and that started me writing. And then. Ever since then, I've just been writing, writing, writing. I, I basically knew I wanted to be a writer of some kind since I was about 11 years old and figured why not channel that, what I love about movies and TV shows into that. I always had opinions about movies and TV shows. I could always talk about them to my friends. So I basically thought, hey, why not do that for a job? They'll pay you no money practically, but you'll probably have fun. And yeah, so it's come to pass pretty much. That's awesome. And do you write... Um like strictly like review stuff or or do you are you writing your own creative work on the side as well uh um mixture a lot less of my own creative work these days i used to write a lot of short stories things like that i've tried to write scripts once or twice i'm just not very much a natural script writer uh but i i've sort of dabbled occasionally here and there you know you get to that point as a film critic you're like well this movie is bad i'm sure i can do better and then you actually sit down you stare at the blank page or you try and write the outline you're like i don't know anything i'm rubbish i've written a book uh that i based loosely on like my dad and stuff like that who was a in, was like a specialist police officer and did stuff like that and i've turned him into like a james bond character kind of thing oh, so i've done cool. that kind of stuff but generally given how much I write these days for work, just in terms of Empire, all the other magazines I write for, the studio stuff, and then my own like column that I write these days every week, just to reviews and stuff. When I'm done with all of that stuff, usually I just want to veg out and just watch something that someone else has written because I am just, my brain is tired and I don't want to use it anymore. So, you know. That is very fair. I, I want to try and write more, but I just, it's having the energy right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people were like, oh, pandemic, I'm going to get a lot of writing done. And everyone I talked to is like, didn't, didn't get anything done, did I? No. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. I know, I know some people, colleagues of mine who've done stuff, my, my friend Helen, who works for Empire, she's written, I said, she's two books right now, her latest book, which is called Women in Hollywood, plug, 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 has just been published in paperback in the States. So she's oh, cool. obviously found time in between writing loads of stuff for Empire and all sorts of other places to write an entire book a second book so which and it's brilliant and it's it's amazing and i'm very jealous so you know yeah oh that's awesome yeah shawnee how we doing with the mic bud Ooh, dang. <laughs> mike's mike's i don't know if it's making noise i'm just gonna use my uh my camera mic thing. well uh, I, know it sounds like I can hear you <laughs> yeah it's you're so good <laughs> shawnee the fish we're all good here the video might feel like, I can I kind of feel like there's a delay, so if I answer something, like, <laughs> I don't know if it's like an internet thing, or if it's just pushing, it. I saw an error message that says video encoding overloaded, so it must be something to do with like the video being pushed out to the uh, screen, so. Uh, that, uh, for that. But, um, I can hear everything, which is good, so. Um, that's great. It's, uh, you guys are hearing it on the screen, and. I, I, I sure hope. I sure hope so. Uh, 
Um, let's see, let's see. So yeah, we were talking earlier, like usually we open up and you know, we'll do introductions and then we'll do some uh, pop culture news and then dive into lists and we completely missed the, uh, the news. So I apologize. Um, you mentioned one thing today, which was uh, what, what did you say? What happened today? The, uh, oh, oh James Lynn. Uh, Justin, Justin Lynn has left. He's left Fast X. They've been shooting yes. for a week, a week, and he's announced that yeah, he's not going to be doing it. He's staying on as producer, and I think he he actually co-wrote this one. So oh wow, I'm always kind of confused when they say like oh it's creative differences. I'm like dude, didn't haven't you been on this movie for like six months now? Right. The, the time for the creative differences would have been before the movie was like rolling. Yeah, yeah. And the big things were blowing up and the stuff was happening, but. You know, I respect Justin Lin. He's a great filmmaker. He's done so many of these movies. He's responsible for, you know, half the Fast and Furious movies. And if he's decided that something isn't right for him, he's going to move on and fair play to him. But it's just a surprise because they were whole hog. Yeah. You know, they were going full ball with this thing. And, and then finally, it's like the Fast and Furious movies, there are creative things. But anyway, that's, that's, that's something. <laughs> I love the Fast and Furious movies. So they've been very good to me over the years. So, yeah. The, uh, I, I, uh... Off the top of my head, I would assume it's probably Vin Diesel being like, no, nah, I'll direct it. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you were wrong about that. I, I have a, if the announcement comes in like a week that like Vin hits his Instagram and tells you about the melodious, sanctimonious, sanctuary, I don't know, whatever it is he's going to say that he's, he's found out about, that he's discovered that the key to the civilization of the universe is him directing the next Fast movie then. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's that'll probably be uh, not too no. far off. Wouldn't shock me. Did you have you had a chance to see the Batman? I I have seen the Batman. Did yes. you like it? Yes, I like the Batman a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Matt Reeves fan. I loved his Planet of the Apes movies. I've liked pretty much everything he's directed. So I was kind of excited for him to take on Batman, even though it's you know the 79th take on Batman. I, I liked a lot of what he did. I, I really liked the movie. I didn't love it completely, but I, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And I am entirely unsurprised that they've just announced the sequel. So yeah. Yeah. $159 million yeah. at the box office in the pandemic era. Yeah. They're making another one. Pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I have to say, I like it a lot more on, on rewatch. What was that, Sean? Shawnee, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I totally agree with the uh, remaking the second one for sure. <laughs> oh man, this is. Oh god, guys. All right. <laughs> okay. Continue, Joey. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll, uh, my shoulders are just killing me today, Shawnee. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, yes. So they're making a second The Batman. I, I wonder if they'll call it These Batman or something like that. Um, do you, is, do you, is, uh, are there any particular villains that you'd like to see in a, in a follow-up? Oh, good question, good question. I mean, I mean, they introduced Barry Keegan as the Joker, so that could be an alleyway. Maybe they're exploring, even though Matt Reeves has said, eh, we're not going to really do that. I, I would be fascinated to see how... A sort of a this this more focused down to earth less fantastical batman deals with something like poison ivy i'd be interested to see Ooh. how you do something like poison ivy a hell i i given how much i've enjoyed her 
just generally, I wouldn't mind seeing Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn show up just to cause a bit of chaos, but I don't see them crossing those streams in particular. I don't think it's ever going to be part of the DCEU. But yeah. yeah, something like Poison Ivy, I will be fascinated to see how someone like Matt Reeves, who really goes for the street level, you know, detective Batman deals with something like that. So yeah, maybe maybe that could be fun. They haven't said anything yet. They don't. We don't know what is going to be the story for the new one, but yeah, I will be fascinated to see that. That would be very cool. I she didn't even cross my mind. I saw a fan made like poster, and it it was the. Uh, kind of hinting at Mr. Freeze being the next film. I'm like, that actually wouldn't be a bad, you know, how the the Batman, all the images had the red filter. This one had like a blue filter over it. I was like, oh, that actually kind of, uh, I like that a lot, but um, I didn't I didn't care for that Barry, how do you say his name? Barry Keegan? Barry Keegan, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I, I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm just tired of seeing the Joker or I'm tired of seeing actors do their takes on the Joker. Like I just, just do the Joker. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I was glad it was relegated to a deleted scene so hopefully they can change the look around a little bit but I get I get very particular about Batman so that's my that's my weakness um yeah Shawnee who do you want to see in a in a sequel to the Batman Someone like Clayface, but I don't know if that like would live in this world that they're trying to put together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you know. Of course, we have uh, the Penguin. You know, Penguin's going to be kind of you know his role will be uh, a little more um, you know in the light on this one. So that'd be really cool to see Colin Farrell. I mean, I could I still couldn't believe it was when when the trailer dropped for that movie and like I think I read like Colin Farrell in the movie and I was like, which one? Which character is he? <laughs> You mean Richard Kind? But I have not watched it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, I. Wow, that lag is deep. I have not watched it a second time, and I um, I, I kind of I want to. It's it's bad, right? Yeah, I know. I can tell on your foot. You're gonna try to push through. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm trying to watch it like. I mean, I wanted to watch it last week, but I just got kind of busy. But um, I want to watch it again and kind of see if it uh, changes a little bit of my opinion on it. Um, Joey and I, we did a, a, a full episode on the Batman um, mm. as far as our, our thoughts on it. And it kind of straight out of uh, seeing it. So, And we, we, uh, we both saw it in theaters, which is really cool. I've only seen like a select few movies uh, this year um, since stuff kind of opened up again. I'm I'm in that Scorsese camp where I bitch about movies being taken over by the superhero flicks and everything. And then the only two movies I've seen since going back to the cinema is Spider-Man No Way Home and the Batman. So uh, I'm gonna go kill myself. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, Shani, should we should we move on to some lists? And while I'm talking and while the lag is going, I'm I'm throwing it to you to kick things off, sir. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Okay. Scanning across your, your whole career. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's some I just can't remember because either they weren't very good or it's just been too long ago. I mean, it's been it's been a while. It's been a while I've been doing this. Um, so let's see. All right. Well, I, I tried to sort of think about the the really some of the really memorable ones and some of the ones that are interesting for maybe different reasons as opposed to just being like, hey, they were quite fun and entertaining. But the first one, I think number five, I'm going to go for, which was a really entertaining one, was on the set of uh, the movie Real Steel, which you know was from a few years ago, directed by Sean Levy and starring Hugh Jackman. And it was both Levy and Jackman. I was actually on the set for two days, which was really unusual, even even sort of when I was really doing a lot of set visits, when we could do set visits a lot more. So I spent two days with these guys, basically embedded on the set of Sean of, of uh, Real Steel, and I got to admit, it, it was the day. It was one of the days was a Friday, and that is a day traditionally when he's working on a movie set. That Hugh Jackman has this really lovely tradition, where he buys like lottery ticket scratches for the entire crew no matter what position you're in, whether you're a gaffer, whether you're on craft service, whether you just like help him pick up his underwear somewhere, that kind of stuff. He <laughs> buys a lottery stretcher for everybody and hands them all out to everybody all around the crew on Friday and the cast and everyone. And he handed me one because I'd been on set for those couple of days and everything. And that honestly, that was one of the most memorable interviews I've ever done only because the two of those men You've probably seen it a little bit more recently with like Sean Levy and like Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling, God, look at me. Hello. Ryan Reynolds, the other Ryan, the one he's been working with, you know, for the last two films now. Sean Levy is quite possibly one of the most charming people you could ever hope to meet. Uh, he is just very passionate about what he does. And while I haven't loved every single movie and TV show that he's ever made, because he's made a lot, um, I can't help but have appreciation for who the guy is. He was just great. He and Jackman together were like a charisma powerhouse. And that just made it so incredibly memorable. That just that just made that interview memorable. I just remember them candidly talking about their friendship, which you've seen now continue into the, the Ryan Reynolds era where they're both making fun of you, Jackman. Because as you, as people well know, you know Jackman and, and Ryan Reynolds are really good friends. And constantly snipe at each other and constantly have fun. So yeah, that was that was a real sort of like experience. The whole package was being on the set of a giant movie where they were having fake robots fighting and where they were having like having to stop CGI stuff happening and stuff like that. And these two incredibly like charming people like just selling the movie to you in a way that didn't make it feel like they were selling the movie to you. So. Yeah, that I've got to admit was was one of my favorite ones. That was, that was a really, really good cool. one. Yeah. Um. Uh, let me see. Oh, number four. Moving on to number four. Uh, Steve Carell. 
Steve Carell, who is also, you will not be probably surprised to learn, a very nice man in general. Um, I did him a few times uh, during the year. I, was, I can't remember. It was the year that he was still on. I think he was still on technically. I think he'd still been on The Office. He was also in this little indie movie called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, in which he co-starred with Kieran Knightley. Um, and he, again, this is me just stating, people are nice. He was just could not be friendlier. He Because he... I'd interviewed him a few times, about three or four times that year for different projects he'd been in. He started greeting me like, oh, Mr. White, you're here. Let's do this. And, you know, that goes a long way to making you feel good about people. They could probably be kicking puppies in the real world. And you'd probably be like, oh, that actually seemed like kind of a nice person. Yeah, I like that person. He was nice to me. So, yeah, the puppies will have to just get their own deal. But, yeah, he, he genuinely is a guy who can come up, as, as you might understand, he's an improv guy. He can come up with fun stuff on the fly. He could instantly sort of just come up with good jokes and good everything. And he made for really, really good interviews because he genuinely, A, a bit like Levy and Jackman, he can sell the project without seeming to sell the project. And he will make you feel like he's the most entertaining person in the room and you are his friend while he's talking to you but then afterwards he doesn't just switch off and become once the cameras switch off he doesn't just become like oh i'm an actor i've got to go away and talk to my team he's like oh how are you doing how's life everything like that so yeah that was that's genuinely memorable that's um cool. number three quite different number three was quite different number three was mr nick nolte a classic you know, a real veteran of the, of the craft. Uh, it was for a, a, a movie, a Robert Redford movie called The Company You Keep. And I was waiting 10 minutes to talk to him, which isn't unusual. Sometimes you have to wait. It was uh, it was like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, video interview. I was waiting 10 minutes, then I was waiting 15 minutes, then I was waiting 20 minutes, then I was assured he'll be here very shortly. And then he shows up in one of the hotel's bathrobes. I think he had some kind of clothes on underneath it, but he was definitely in a bathrobe and he started the interview. I'm not sure I cannot speak and I won't go ahead and, and defame the man or libel the man or whatever the hell, slander the man, whatever the hell it is you do when you're just talking or it's being recorded, how it works. But I, he might have had something to drink before he started the interview. He can't, can't speak to that. Don't know. Might have seemed like it. He also then proceeded to fall asleep while the interview was happening. I'm not sure what that says about my interview skills or my <laughs> personal charisma, which I'm British. It's probably fairly dull anyway. So, yeah, he was he was interesting. He was definitely interesting. That interview has never been used. Um, never seen the light of day. Probably never will see the light of day unless I can dig it up from the vault somewhere and threaten the studio with it. But, yeah, that was memorable. That was memorable. That's a good plan. That, I mean, I mean, look at that. If you don't want anything out there, do that. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've had I've had interviewees you feel like don't want this interview to be seen, and they will make every effort not to have that interview to be seen. So sometimes they'll square, sometimes they'll do this, that, the other. It depends. There's every trick you can imagine, any trick you can imagine. All right. So number two, this was an early one for me. This was early in my day. This was one of the earlier junkets. Not not the first. Definitely not the first. It's been. It was a few years into my gig but it was one of the most exciting junkets I went on I did the Finding Nemo junket uh, which is like you know I'm a huge Pixar fan a massive Pixar fan 
and back then was even more of a, a massive Pixar fan. And this was the full on like this was when studios I don't I think they do this for some like highfalutin like Vanity Fair type people these days, but they really did everything they can to make you think kindly of the movie. They did the full thing. They put us up in the four seasons in San Francisco. They gave us a giant like gift bag of toys and stuff from the movie. They took us to Pixar to do the interview. And Pixar is one of those places, it is quite literally like going behind the scenes at Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It, it blew my tiny little mind going to Pixar for the first time. I've been lucky enough to go about four or five times and I want to live there. I've made a secret plan, which is not going to be secret anymore because I'm saying it on this podcast, but I'm going to go on a junket for them. I'm going to go and move into the cereal room and hide in one of the walls in the cereal room that they have. They have a whole room just of cereal for the animators. And I figure if I hide in the walls, there's food there. There's probably some milk I can drink. And they won't discover me for, I don't know, a year, maybe two years. And I'll just live there. I'll just live at Pixar. But anyway, that's by the by. We're at Pixar. And one of the interviewees is Ellen DeGeneres, who, you know, I only really knew, I, I, I'd known basically that she was a talk show host and I knew her from her comedy, like her sitcom and her stand-up comedy stuff, but didn't know her as well as, you know, someone who lives here and knows more about Ellen. But of course she, she plays Dory and she was doing one of these round tables that were about eight, nine of us on a big round table in a conference room in Pixar. So I'm already just overjoyed. I'm already happy because I'm a Pixar and it's it's like a happy place. But she's being charming, she's doing the funny thing and then one of the journalists has to excuse themselves to do something, I, which is something I've rarely ever seen. In the middle of a roundtable interview, I've rarely seen people excuse themselves. I don't know if they were called away to do another interview. I've seen that happen because schedules are very tight, schedules are weird, you tend to clash sometimes. But they had to go away and do something, and they came back. And before they came back, Ellen DeGeneres said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Just you alert me when this person's going to come back, and we'll, we'll do a thing. And so just as this person comes in, she, she just sits back and she goes, and that's the story of exactly why I came out. It's not the story I told the press. It's the real reason. And just to, like, completely punk this guy who'd been out of the room, this poor journalist. And so we're all just, like, falling over ourselves. So... Ellen DeGeneres has to go on the list just for being, just for being a mensch, just for being hilarious <laughs> and doing that. And in the middle of a kid's, you know, in the middle of a big junket for a kid's movie, she's just like, yep, let's do a rude joke about something. And it's just like, it's fantastic. I still, I remember that to my day. I can remember exactly where we were sitting. I can remember how, you know, what she said, everything that happened, it just stuck in my brain. And that's, that's the way to make her interview memorable. Now, necessarily, I didn't use that bit in my final piece, because it's not maybe the thing that people want to read about finding Nemo, but I just, it's stuck in my head for all time. And that was rough, roughly what, 2002, 2003, something like that. So I've yeah. remembered it for 20 years plus. Uh, That's cool. Final, so number one, number one was a big one for me. It was when I was still in the UK. Um, and it was for possibly one of my, it, still, less so these days i don't know excuses work and everything but still one of my favorite directors and that was cameron crow i am a huge cameron crow fan i've loved almost famous i love say anything i love singles i'm one of these people that love singles which most people when you say you know what cameron crow movies do you love you don't often get singles as one that people love but i was a grunge kid in 1992 you know i i loved singles it was everything i wanted 
and the chance to talk to Cameron Crowe was one I could not pass up. I kind of wish I'd gotten to talk to him for Almost Famous, but it was for Elizabeth Town, which, if eh, you know, generous, gen, generously, kind of like the start of a slightly shift into lesser Cameron Crowe work, maybe. You know, he had all these amazing hits early on, these big movies that people love and adore, and a lot of the stuff he's done kind of since then just hasn't had the same impact. But Cameron Crowe, chance to interview Cameron Crowe, and he was everything I'd hoped. He was charming and sweet and lovely. And he basically, in the middle of the interview, he just said, okay, so you've seen Elizabeth Town now, what would you do to change the movie if you could? What do you think worked about it? What didn't work about it? And that is not something I'm used to hearing from movie directors in particular. And he was so, so open about it. And I told him what I loved about it. I told him the bits I didn't love so much about it. And he was so just thoughtful and interesting about it. And that has always stuck in my brain. I will always, you know, no matter what he's done kind of since then, and I will always defend the man because I've always found him to be just a genuinely nice guy and a genuinely thoughtful interviewee. And he, was, of course, was fascinating because he used to be a journalist back in the day himself. So he knows how to talk to journalists. And yeah, that will always stick in my head. That's awesome. That's really, is he maybe your number one director? Uh, yes, probably. He's up there. He's up there. It's hard for me to pick a, like a favorite director across all genres because there are people that I think do amazing work on, you know, action movies. You know, I think the Russo brothers have done great stuff recently and are still doing good stuff in their particular genre. I, you know, I love Tim Burton stuff. I love all sorts of people. I mean, I love Matt Reeves stuff. I love, I love all sorts of people. I, I loved, you know, sort of, um, I, you know, I, I, I've loved different people's work at different times for different things. So, but he's definitely, he was definitely up there back in the early days of my career. He was my ride or die number one. So yeah. Right on. That's awesome. That's a good list. I wouldn't have, uh, the Nick Nolte one. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a list for you, if you don't mind uh, doing one more. Um, curious, in the time that you've been working, you know, in this profession, and I guess maybe we could limit it to the movies that you reviewed exclusively, but um, in this length of time, what are your top five movies since you've been a professional? Well, I thought about this when, when Sean sort of drop word that you wanted me to sort of think about this a little bit. Um, what I've kind of tried to do is I've, I've slightly tailored it to the experience around the movie that fed into the movie. And now a, lot, a, a couple of these are really favorite movies of mine. So, you know, I am sticking to the brief for the most part, but I'm also going rogue. So don't mind me. Um, so yeah, so I've kind of tried to think about movies that where they've had something that's happened around them at the same time that really sort of fed into how I experienced them. Um, so let's start with number five. It is, it is a movie that I love and I really like. The Sixth Sense. Now, The Sixth Sense is a movie that I, I saw ahead of time. So I wasn't, well, technically I wasn't supposed to have been spoiled by it because I saw it. I, it was actually when I used to work back in the day, when I used to in the first office at Total Film that I worked in, that office used to be a film distribution company's office and they had a screening room in the office, which was kind of awesome for like a full on like mini theater, like in the middle of the office, like a room that you could go and watch movies in, which for a film magazine is the most awesome thing you can imagine. 
So we were going to go and see that literally five minutes before I got into the screening of that. I happened to read something. There's a guy who did, he did the, um, it was like a comedy thing he used to do online called like, I can't remember what it was called, like the edited script or something like that. And it was always like a parody take on movies. And like an idiot, I happened to read this thing five minutes before I walked into the room to see The Sixth Sense. And hey, guess what that featured? Oh yes, it featured the big twist. So I literally learned the big twist, even though here I was on a film magazine, access to the film before it came out in UK cinemas. It had come out, I think a little bit just before in US cinemas, but I'd avoided everything about it, which you could do still back more back in the day. But literally five minutes before I'm seeing the damn movie, twist spoiled i'll always remember that fortunately the movie i think is so good that it doesn't it didn't ruin me on the movie i think it's one of bruce willis's best performances i think Haley joel osmond is amazing in it and i think it's probably still maybe up there with something like unbreakable but one of the best things that shamalan's uh, done so yeah that that fits in uh number four a little bit more recent uh spider-man into the spider-verse which is a movie I adore and I love and I think breaks all sorts of barriers when it comes to animation. I think they do really interesting things. I think it's a great way to use animation. I think it's a great way to use the Spider-Man, the sprawling nature of, of comic books. You know, the fact that there's 10,000 variations on every character and 10,000 stories to tell. This has the room to do that. I cannot wait for Across the Spider-Verse and now, as they're calling it, Beyond the Spider-Verse, which will be next year in 2024 i think but that movie i saw in the basement of the irving thalberg building on the sony lot which was already called to sort of go and like go to the sony lot i mean i've been to the sony lot before but to see it in this classic old 1920s building in an old cinema in an old theater in the basement where you feel like you're being taken down there to be murdered which i'm sure if you say bad things about the movies you might be but just seeing it in there it's like the perfect like old school you can imagine like because when it was when it was mgm you can imagine them like editing uh, wizard of oz or something like that in that room and seeing it in like a in a real like historical movie room it really just gives it that feeling and then to see a movie which is basically the future of movie making and blows your mind and makes you feel grateful that you get to do this job that was that was quite something that was quite something uh, number cool. three is the movie First Man, which I like a lot. It's not out there in my favorite movies, but I like it a lot, which was the, the Ryan Gosling um, a movie about uh, Neil Armstrong. That one is memorable because I saw that at the Kennedy Space Center. We did a junket for uh, First Man at the Kennedy Space Center. We literally did the interviews for that junket in a press room off near the vehicle assembly building which is that gigantic building with the flag on it where they build the space shuttles and bring the space shuttles out to the launching pad so you know you've got the they were bringing one of the shuttles out and not the shuttles they're bringing something else out like a uh like a um i don't know what it's like a weather satellite rocket or something but that was slowly making its way out as we're doing these interviews and everything like that and i am as well as movies and tvs i am a huge space nerd a huge space nerd. I used to have pictures of cross sections of space shuttles on my bedroom wall when I was a kid. Nerd. But, you know, love it, love it, love it. So to see that movie in an IMAX theater at the Kennedy Space Center and then to interview people 
was something that I cannot, I can't detach the movie from that experience and that fed into it and that I love it. I've always said that we didn't get to talk to them for that, but I've talked to astronauts before and I get starstruck around astronauts. Celebrities, you know, big people, vaguely nervous sometimes depending on who they are, but it's become my job. Astronauts, for some reason, I'm just like, ah, you've been in space. So yeah, that, that, that was all part of it. That was all part of it. Number two, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which is a movie I adore, I love. I was a huge fan of Edgar Wright's work before that. Um, this one I saw at Comic Con, uh, 2010, the year it came out. I'd done a junket the day of. I think it was the day or the day after, something like that. We interviewed all the all the cast and Edgar and everyone like that. It had been huge. Done loads of things, and then. They did it. They did the presentation for it at Comic Con, which, if you've ever been to Comic Con, you know is just huge and crazy and fun, but exhausting at the same time sometimes. And attending it as a journalist is interesting because while you do get to go free, uh, you know you don't have to pay for press promotion to do it. But there's the upside and the downside. The upside is you get it for free, and you sometimes get studio access to their panels, so you're not queuing all night the night before. With a bunch of Twilight fans to try and get into Hall H, but at the same time, you are trying to, especially in the days when everyone was there, you were fighting the schedule to try and you had to try and at least have two or three people of the team there because some person's got to sit in Hall H and do the presentations, other someone's else doing a junket there, someone else is on the floor talking to people, someone else is doing something else. It's gone nuts, but uh, yeah, they did the presentation for Scott Pilgrim and then Edgar Wright invited everybody who had a certain ticket i think it was out of the presentation hall to go to the the um the gas lamp quarter to a cinema to see scott pilgrim for the first time and we managed we knew and then now this is one of the things where we knew in advance that was happening and we'd already been invited because edgar wright is a big friend of empire you know one of our guys has been on all of his movie sets and knows him quite well and talks to him a lot and all this kind of stuff so he'd invited the empire team to this thing told us about it but told us to keep it quiet so we had to stay strong and he announced it as a big special thing at the end of the presentation took everyone on a big march to the gas lamp quarter and we watched it uh we watched the movie and then there was a concert by metric one of the bands that's in the movie as one of the fake bands and it, it's just that that was mind blowing. That was to see it with a crowd so perfectly primed to see that movie and with the with the concert at the same time and the way we were feeling after the Comic Con presentation that informed me and I will love Scott Pilgrim to the day I die. I will defend that movie to the day I die. I know it didn't do very well at the box office, but it's amazing. It's fantastic. I think it's underappreciated. So then uh, number one, uh, getting right back to the superhero territory. A little tiny movie I like to call The Avengers. Now that was something I saw. I saw. I watched it here relatively early. I'd known it was coming. Obviously, we all knew it was coming because of the build-up to it and everything like that. But I was probably one of the first journalists to see it, and a group of journalists who were invited to an early press screening. And that was that. Just that was almost like a religious experience. Even after my vague non-comic book history. The Avengers movies, the Marvel movies, had basically built me up into a fan, and this was the culmination. This was everything I wanted to see on screen, sort of the perfect amalgamation of all these different heroes all at once, on screen, just 
in real, you know, and working together, and a movie that actually works really well, no matter what you might think about the <clears throat> problematic person <clears throat> behind it these days, but sort of melded everything together to separate the art from the artist. It is art. It's a literal little work of art. It's a perfect little movie. It's hilarious. It's action-packed. It's emotional. And that was then, and then I went home and I wrote a review of it, and I said the Hulk, maybe the effects of the Hulk weren't quite as good as they could have been, and I'm forever shamed about that. I forever feel bad about that. I actually wrote a piece, I think, what was it, 10 years after that, saying, you know, sorry for saying that. I would give it five stars if I had it to do it today because I think the effects are great and I don't know what I was thinking when I walked out of that place. So, yeah, that's that sticks in my mind forever. I remember walking out of there with a few other journalists who really weren't fans and were really, what, what the hell was that all about? And I was just, I just basically leaned back against the back of the elevator in the in the studio lot and just just basically said to myself i've just seen a religious experience and i'm forever changed after that so yeah not to not to sound too hyperbolic but you know i was forever changed and that oh, day nice. i became a man wait no none of that's true but i did enjoy <laughs> it. i did enjoy it a lot so yeah 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 that's great and that's really i mean Avengers is kind of the point where you can look at the la the recent history of film at least and kind of go okay 08 you had Dark Knight and Iron Man and then in 2012 you had Dark Knight Rises and Avengers and one was like almost the death of these singular stories and then the birth of all right every movie is going to have a cameo every movie is going to you know splinter off into these and it really has changed everything um that's yeah. awesome that's yeah. a good I mean, list for, for good and in some ways ill maybe but mm. you know there's no denying that if you just watch the avengers which for some reason british people forever grinding their teeth at this is called avengers assemble i think because there was the old tv show the avengers in the uk and they didn't want anyone to be confused but i'm sorry i don't think you look at a movie with the hulk and tony stark and think oh <laughs> is that that 19 1960s black and white tv show no no and they made an avengers movie and it had sean connery and giant teddy bears in it and people hated it so no don't worry about it just call it avengers it's the avengers they've earned the right to be the avengers now so yeah i like it i like it well, those are good lists those are very good lists um sheesh our buddy um worked as an animator on into the spider-verse and now he's at pixar so there's there's two little things for you uh <laughs> I want, I want, I want to know who that person is. I want to know their name, their address, and I need to, I need to meet them and be their friend now. Basically, I will, I'll, I'll send you his uh, contact information. He'd love to hear from you, honestly. That's awesome. Our buddy yeah. Danny Rodriguez. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've had him on the show. He, he talked, he talked about Spider Verse and his time at uh, Pixar, which has been all remote. So right, um, oh, that must be crazy. Yeah, I, he's I like, I'm finally at my dream job, and now it's remote. Like, <laughs> I'm not at my dream job. <laughs> Oh, that must be oh, that must be a gut bunch. I watched the documentary, the one about making turning red, and seeing all the all the team just like making it in their homes and everything with the kids around and everything. It's just I, I have even more respect for them now. Just basically taking a movie like those movies and making them on their home computers and having to like coordinate and zoom and ah, oh, I can't even imagine it. It's it's worthy of respect. It really is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, Shawnee, how how's your, how's your audio going? Still still getting that lag, huh? All right, very good, very good. <laughs> Not yet, huh? Okay, all right. Well, that's okay. Um, 
James, where, uh, is there anything that you would like to kind of uh, share with our audience or, oh, oh, no? Okay, well, all right. Is there anything that uh, we usually do like a little share time after our list of like, oh, I saw this movie or read this book or tried this new app or something. Is there anything that you'd like to kind of put out into the universe for, for our listeners? Uh, okay, a couple of things. I mean, I, I think I've raved enough about everything everywhere all at once, but please go and see it in the theater if you can. It deserves it, and it deserves all the support. It's been making some money. It's been doing well, but I love it. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there. I mean, Better Call Saul just came back, and I love that show, and I, 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 I'm sad it's ending, but I know it has to end, and I, I'd like people to watch that. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think I'm good right now. I'm good. Those are the two things I would plug right now, I think. Right on. And at the uh, let's let's hope this works. Jonathan, is there anything that you would like to share with our dear, sweet, lovely, imaginary audience? Oh, he's thirty seconds behind. Oh, wow. oh boy. Oh boy. Well, Sean, when you start talking, just I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> and I'll, I'll even message it to him. to share uh i did see jackass uh forever and uh yeah okay yeah um i saw jackass forever that was great it's on paramount plus uh really cool to see a movie like that where uh jackass 20 years later was cool from jackass is doing the same old silly stuff so um yeah that's pretty much it not much i uh, again apologize for the uh delay seeking delay <laughs> I was like, try, I was listening pretty much to the whole conversation you guys were having, but it was like so far behind. I, want, I didn't want to say anything and like have me kind of cut in like randomly. So, uh, but um, I guess again, taking this opportunity to thank James and, for coming on. We'd love to have you on again uh, as well sometime uh, as a guest. We, we're trying to get some more guests to come on, and it's always cool when we have some reoccurring guests that come on the show. So, uh, we really appreciate your, your time. Yeah, I'm gonna say this because I, I guess we're gonna go to we're gonna go to our, our kind of ending segment. So uh, for me, you guys can find me at Sean Day Music um, and on my website SeanDayMusic.net. Check it out. Um, uh, we also have a band, Blind Issues. Uh, Joey and I, my brother, and our buddy Andrew, uh, Blind Issues. So search us up on uh, Spotify or any of the other uh, <laughs> streaming platforms and find our our EP. Very good, Shawnee. I love. I was gonna message you and be like, "Hey, why don't you just give your handles while you're while you have the floor?" But you read my mind. This is why we do the show. Um, this is why we're brothers. Uh, James, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Uh, you can generally find me. I'm on EmpireOnline.com, which is my usual stomping ground. I write a lot of the news stories, one or two featurey things, occasional reviews for them. Uh, I'm also available. I'm also in the pages of a magazine called SFX, which is a big sci-fi magazine in the UK, which is one I've been working for for years and years and years. Um, and also these days, for the last year or two, I've had a, a Substack, which I know is a big, big thing these days. Um, and it's uh, you can just search uh, Jay Wrights on Substack, 
Uh, that's J-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S. Wow, I remembered English. And I basically write, I write a weekly column of reviews of just TV shows and movies and things that I'm checking out right now. And I also write the occasional like pop culture, pop culture column if I feel like it, the occasional opinionated. I've had a couple of interviews on there. So yeah, that's generally where you can find me. Also, uh, Jam White, at Jam White on Twitter where my ramblings are generally found at Jamal White on uh, Instagram, although I don't really post much on that because I'm very bad at Instagram. And also I'm just James White on Facebook. You can probably find me that because that's a name where if you search for it, you won't find 10,000 versions of it. Oh wait, you probably will. So yeah, you can just find me, but Jam White, I would say on Twitter is the best place to find me. Wonderful. And we've just added you and retweeted you. So please, uh, dear imaginary audience, please go and follow James. Um, you can check me out at Joy Prati uh, on Instagram, at, uh, at Joy Prati on Instagram and on Twitter, and on my website, joeprati.com. You can check out the show at Top 5 Pod, that's T-O-P-F-I-V-E 5 P-O-D on Instagram, on Twitter, at gmail.com, or on YouTube, Apple Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, all of them, Spotify. So please give us a like, give us a listen, give us a follow, give us your love. And usually I pass it to Sean, but we're not going to wait the 30 seconds. Um, and... Uh, Thank you so much for, for joining us. It was a pleasure speaking with you and hope to have you on again. Until next time, I'm Joey Parati. That's Sean Day. And thank you for listening. <laughs>